We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Pacer fans, welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace here on PacersTalk.net. We have finally made it to episode number 40, and joining me right now is my co-host, the president of the Jermaine O'Neal Fan Club, the one and only Michael J. Fachi. Fachi, what's going on, man? What an honor to be here for the big 4-0. And on a brighter news, Kawhi Leonard's out of the East. So uh, East is pretty open right now, Alex. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling good about these Pacers. Yeah, the Pacers are very exciting right now. A lot of A lot of good things to talk about. And so I want to start things off. What was your reaction to the two press conferences we saw with Jeremy Lamb and T.J. Warren on Sunday and then Malcolm Brogdon on Monday around 10.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time? I thought that, you know, Jeremy Lamb, it, it just it got me more excited. I felt like Lamb was – he's at a point now where he's a little bit older. You know, he's more a little more established than he was early on in his career where I feel like he's ready to just buy into any role – and no offense, but when you're coming from Charlotte and you're coming from Phoenix, these are guys who want to win. They want to be involved. They, you want to be, you know, not that the Pacers are on national television as much as some of the other teams, but you want to be in the big dance, the playoffs. And I think that these are two guys that are ready to accept a little bit less of a role for the greater common good. And yeah. for that, it had me pretty excited. And then Brogdon, on the other hand, the man said all the right things. I mean, Pacer fans fell in love with them. I mean, for a brief moment, I even felt good allowing him to wear number seven, even though it was Jermaine's. It hurt, but hey, I'll sign off on it. Brogdon, you can wear it. Yeah, well, at least that jersey will bring some value when you wear it. People are like, oh, look, he's got a Malcolm Brogdon jersey on. Uh, exactly. Yeah, so, but let me let me say this, because I kind of was not impressed with T.J. Warren and Jeremy Lamb's press conference. kind of boring. I think they mm-hmm. just kind of did it because they had to do it. But they yes. just seem like guys that are 
not really friendly with the media in a sense, but more so just want to play basketball, which I'm fine with that. I mean, mm-hmm. as long as they're producing on the court, I care less what they do, you know, off the court. But as far as Malcolm Brogdon goes, that speech, that that conference, that press conference, that made me want to go buy a Malcolm Brogdon jersey. The dude just said everything that Pacer fans wanted to hear, and the truth is he didn't just say it, he meant it. And you can yes. always tell the difference. I mean, he just really seemed to be engaged with this Pacers team from the beginning of his career. He seems like the perfect fit next to Oladipo. He said he wants to be a point guard. It's his more natural position, but he doesn't need the ball. He'll. This is Oladipo's team. He has no problem playing next to him. Like this is just everything you want to hear. And like the funniest part from that press conference was Nate McMillan saying that he started screaming on the phone when Pritchard called him yeah. and said we might be getting Brogdon. And you know what, McMillan? I think we all were screaming because wow, this this is a huge pickup for the Pacers. I know I was screaming because I told you about that timeline that happened last week. Minute by minute, we were losing players, and then we started to gain some players. So it was very exciting. I mean, Brogdon even saying he's not here to take possessions away. He's here to give more possessions to the team, to guys like Oladipo, and obviously you know help out our bigs. It just seemed like so encouraging. And the fact that he was obviously saying you know that Indiana was a team that he wanted to play for initially – and then you find out that there was at least rumors that Bird did try and get up and get him initially. It was really cool to hear. And also highlighting the fact that he wanted to play with Oladipo. This is now back-to-back summers where people have said stuff like that. I know last year it was, Ky- it was Kylo Quinn mentioning it because they had played together in Orlando. But it's so cool to have a player like that that people want to play with that you kind of wonder why wasn't that the fact when Paul George was here in Indiana. You didn't hear people saying that. It's kind of surprising. Well, it's probably because Paul wasn't acting like he wanted to be here either. But the other the other player who said it last year was Tyreek Evans. Mm-hmm. During his press conference, he mentioned that he wanted to come in and basically just be that second guy to Oladipo after seeing them in the playoffs and how well they played and against the Cavs in that seven-game series. And just said he felt like Oladipo needed another guy to score, and that's what he wanted to do. So, I mean, you know, there is some interest there in Oladipo as a player and as a person. I think that... Victor is extremely personable, and right now they are playing their third game in the Summer League, I believe. I think they're playing the Atlanta Hawks right now. Oladipo is mm-hmm. there right now with TJ Warren and Malcolm Brogdon. So really cool to see all the guys coming together, being able to talk. The Matorium is not uh, in effect anymore. So the Pacers can now be public about the moves they've made. And honestly, I, I love the way this team is shaping up. But I gotta ask you, Fachi, when you look at this roster, are you happy with what it is right now going into the season? Not yet. Because you have to factor in while we love this roster on paper, it's gonna be at least two months before Oladipo's back. So you, you gotta be able to fill fill some of the, the space over there, but also we've talked about it. This team needs a true backup power forward. Yeah, you got to get that done. I know they're also still working on the specifics with the TJ McConnell deal, but a backup power forward, you got to address it. It's drying up there. Since our last podcast, uh, Michael Green's been signed. Marcus Morris has been signed. So it's getting thin out there, and that's the one position I want to sure up. I also think they could use a little bit more depth at small forward. I know there's someone that you were pretty high on that we were talking a little bit off the air about earlier. So we're it's a great, great start. I, I love the moves that we made, but we're just not done yet. 
Okay, so let me just put a little bit of perspective out there. So let's just say the Pacers decide they don't want to make any more moves and this is their roster going forward. That means you're going to be playing T.J. Leaf and Doug McDermott at that three and that four. Now, right now, I don't really like that, especially with Jeremy Lamb in the starting lineup and Oladipo not back. But if you look at it this way, if you do have Aaron Holiday out there running that pick and roll with Gogo Bataze, that does give you some nice shooting options out there with McDermott and TJ Leaf. Now, I know these guys are defensive liabilities, and that's something that you really want to look into because the Pacers don't really have that defensive stopper that they need. But the pros of having McDermott and Leaf on the court is they will stretch the floor. Jeremy Lamb, I think, is a around a 35-37% yes. uh, three-point shooter for his career. So he's going to be a threat. They're not going to leave him open, and so that will give Aaron Holiday more space to run that pick-and-roll, that pick-and-pop with Goga. And then if teams are scrambling to try to kind of play off that, similar to how they did with Tyreek Evans last year in the in the offense, you'll have shooters out there. Now, they can't just stand there and do nothing, obviously. They're going to have to do some ball screens and you know off-ball action, stuff like that. But that is the pro to having two good shooters out there on the court because, I mean, when T.J. Leaf – He's inconsistent, don't get me wrong, but he still is a threat, and he still is a- aggressive enough to crash the glass. He's he's like a, a poor man's Austin Crozier for the Pacers. I mean, that's kind of the best way to describe him. And in all honesty, like, no, this isn't the choice I want, but, I mean, it could be worse. I mean, there are worse options than TJ Leaf out there. Like, we've, we've seen Alizé Johnson play in the summer league. I don't really think that there would be much of an increase if Alizé were to play over TJ Leaf because of some of the... Uh, you know, the problems that he has not stretching the floor. He's just a hustle player. And yes. I think they need more than just hustle on the court with that second unit. So I'm not saying I want TJ Leaf out there, but if that's the option that they go with and they want to give him minutes, I'd rather do it now than, you know, put him on the bench and don't give him any chance to kind of prove himself. Because at this point, he's going to be a free agent next year if they don't resign him, which is very unlikely. And if he plays well in the first part of the season, they could look to trade him. Yeah, I mean, I just don't know what his value would be if you're going to trade him. You know, at that point, I mean, what are you really looking at? Are you going to flip him for? I mean, he's not making that much money, so I mean, what do you do? Is it just a second round pick? I mean, I don't know. And, yeah, I, mean, I mean, that's I what I would either. see it at. Yeah, second round I, pick, I think or you could package him with McDermott. Maybe you'd have to package him with McDermott because then at that point you're able to build about eleven million dollars in salary, and for that you could go after someone. And at that point, it's not bad. I mean, McDermott will have one year left on the deal. Um, I like Alize for for his his you know his hustle and his his story. Just I feel like he's overcome a lot, but I don't feel that he would be ready to be the backup four on this team. And with Leaf, he took a step forward last year, but from a three-point shooting percentage, he really didn't. I was shocked by that. There was a time period where he just could not hit a three at all, but he was still an efficient scorer overall. Um, I want to see this team go after a backup four, and there's still guys out there like a Kenneth Fareed or a Jonas Jerebko. Those guys are out there. Uh, they could be had. And with Fareed, you do know what you're going to get. And this team... They need a veteran. Now, look, those guys aren't like the I've won a championship, you know, I, I can run this locker room type guys, but they are valuable guys. I mean, Jerebko's coming from Golden State. Fareed, sure, he was on Houston, but he's also been on the, in the Nuggets for a while. He's probably got at least, I think, maybe eight years of service in the NBA. So, 
I, I, I like those guys right now, and we can definitely still afford them. I think it's worth taking a look before uh, before they're snatched up. Okay, so a couple other names that are out there that I would just be interested to get your thoughts on, um, power forward wise. Maybe they could be a little bit small forward. Uh, what about Luke and Bamute? I'm a fan of his. Um, now, did he miss all of last year? I think it, he might have. I'm not. I'm not honestly sure. I, I believe but, he was because I know that he was hurt, and that's what caused Houston to uh, to move on. But before that, I mean, he was a very valuable piece of that team and Houston's defense. So that's the kind of guy who I feel like would not require, you know, doesn't need to be playing too much, but would be valuable to the overall team. You want a, a defensive veteran. I think Luke Richard, Mamute would be able to do that. Yeah, I think he's like 33, 34 years old. And then the other person that's in that same vicinity of the age bracket is Lou Aldang. Now, this is an interesting name because everybody made jokes about him with the Lakers, and then he was traded, I believe, to, or he was bought out, one of the two. Yep, went to um, Minnesota. He, yeah, played with Minnesota last year, and he didn't actually do terrible. I mean, he wasn't a game changer, but as a backup power forward slash, you know, three, four type player, would you be interested at all in Luol Deng? I would be interested in Luol Dane because I don't think that it would really cost anything more than the vet minimum at this point. I, I think that he would be on the very cheaper side. The crazy thing about Luol Dane is he was a really good player. He just never deserved that much money that L.A. gave him, and it just quickly went south. I mean, yeah. they just quickly went the opposite direction, went with the youth movement, and just never played him. So it was almost like... Lou Aldang, I mean, what was he supposed to do, ask for less money? <laughs> so I, I think that he would be the type of veteran that would be good for this Pacers team because he's been around for so long. He was on some of those really good Chicago teams. You know, he played on the Heat a little bit. We're not going to really talk about those Lakers years because he essentially just sat on the bench. But that's the kind of guy who's just been around and I think could help this team being so young that, come on, it, it would have cost us essentially the change that you find in your couch. Yeah, and I think we still have room for around the veterans minimum on our salary cap without going into that uh, room level exception. So, um, yeah, our room exception, not room level, room exception, excuse me. But, yeah, that's that's something that I think we should keep an eye on as well. But the question at Power 4 that everybody keeps bringing up on Twitter is Trey Lyles. 24 years old, from Indiana, went to Kentucky, was drafted by the Jazz, got traded to the to the Nuggets and just kind of fell out of the rotation and and honestly I don't really think that the Nuggets really had a spot for him with Paul Millsap there and then they went out and got uh, Plumlee as well they just had a bigger team so Trey Lyles I mean 24 years old really fits this age group do you think he'd be somebody to look at oh I'm always a fan of taking a gamble on a young player I thought Trey Lyles coming out I mean that was someone who Honestly, I was really interested in. I believe he's from the same draft as Miles Turner, the 2015 draft. And I felt like he was definitely projected to go right around where the Pacers were picking. And I don't think that it worked out in Utah. Uh, I think that for the Pacers, we could still take the gamble on him. I Here's what I'll say. I think that he will be a better pro than TJ Leaf. Okay, that's not saying much. <laughs> it's, it's not, but TJ Leaf is currently who we have as that backup four. And at least Trey Lyles has produced. I mean, he's shown that he's a very capable player. I mean, last year was not a good season for him. But just before that, it, it was a really solid season. He put up 10-5 and five 
on 49% shooting, the Pacers would love to have that as a backup four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, I was never a Trey Lyles fan coming out of college into the draft. He was kind of mentioned around the same area as the Pacers when the Pacers selected Miles Turner in the 2015 NBA draft. So he's been kind of linked to Indiana from day one. And honestly, I just never was a fan of his game. I just kind of felt like it was something that there was something missing there, in my opinion. It just felt like it wasn't the complete package. And even though he played with at Kentucky, I just never really bought into the Trey Lyles hype. And little do we know, he hasn't really proven much. But I do think that he has potential. I do think that maybe, you know, there is there, he has the skills to be good, right? So, you know, if he's in the right system, maybe the Pacers are the right system for him. I'm not sure. But I think it'd be worth taking a gamble on him, especially at his age. And now that he's an unrestricted free agent, I, I think that this should be somebody the Pacers do look at for their, their room exception even if they don't even have to use it all, part of it. Yeah, I agree. I just think that while you could still you know, roll the dice, and it's not even a gamble by any means, and I think that he could still get better, I really want to bring in a veteran for this team. I just think even if it's someone who's not even playing, it would be valuable. I obviously want a backup four that is playing, but in terms of other veterans, I mean – uh, obviously, we don't need another center, but a guy with the the mentality and the resume as like a, a Pau Gasol, I want one of those guys who's just been around the block. He's one, and he can just coach these young guys. A, mm-hmm. That will never show up in the box score, and is always important to a team. That those are the kind of lessons that these players learn and carry through the rest of their career. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. I mean, they they do need to add a veteran. I'm not sure what that route will be. It's, it's kind of interesting. Maybe they think that Lamb and Oladipo and Brogdon are all mature enough that they can bring that veteran leadership. I definitely believe Brogdon can be. After hearing him speak on the radio multiple times and after his press conference, I mean, they don't call him the president for no reason. I mean, very well-spoken, very, you know, very smart, has his head on his shoulders, very intellectual. I think that he will be... Not only on the court, but off the court, the best thing that happened to the Pacers this year. I definitely think that, you know, even when we go back to saying when he, he mentioned all, by saying all the right things, I mean, he talked about he's not a social media guy. I believe he just deleted his Instagram. He likes small cities. I mean, he's not all about getting the attention that I think that that's what you want in a point guard. You don't need someone who's going to be flashy. You want someone who just wants to win. And I think that Brogdon is going to be that guy. And when you mentioned just how well-spoken he is, I mean, if you close your eyes or you don't have a video in front of you, he sounds like President Obama. And <laughs> he really does. And I think that if you're looking for a lead to play Obama in a future movie, Brogdon has to be towards the top of your list. I, I fully I stand it. by that. That's <laughs> so, awesome. That's I mean, awesome. Th- that's, just, that's just the kind of guy that fits this team, though. You know, you don't want one of those guys where, you know, I mentioned it before, coming to the draft, Kevin Porter Jr., sure, the talent's there, but, you know, you don't need a guy who's going to be, you know, you you don't know what to expect. With this Pacer team, it seems like you pretty much know what to expect. These guys are going to want to win, and I think Vic and Brogdon, those are the guys that are going to get the most out of them. Uh, So, I mean, even now, Miles Turner's the longest tenured Pacer on this team, you know, Mm -hmm. through 2015. I mean, that. Sounds a little rough. It's only been a few years, but he's he might only be twenty three years old. But when you're getting at that point now, you're hey, you're a veteran on this team. No, for sure. Um, well, let me ask you this because 
I've kind of just been lukewarm on this year's Summer League team. Like, no offense to the guys, obviously. Like, it's Summer League. You don't want to take too much from it or whatever. But, you know, Holiday has shown that he can be kind of sloppy with the basketball. Now, some of that's just not having chemistry with your guys because this is your first time playing with them. But some of it is just he just makes kind of reckless passes. So we know we brought in T.J. McConnell to be that third-string point guard. But right now, the backup shooting guard with Lamb starting is Edmund Sumner. Do you feel comfortable with Sumner and Holiday in that backcourt together for the second unit for a good chunk of the beginning of the season? Uh, I don't. I don't. I I love those two. Like those are going to be like fan favorites, Edmund Sumner and Aaron Holiday. But they might not be ready for you know to lead the second unit right now. Like once Oladipo comes back and Jeremy Lamb is one of the go-to scorers on that second unit, I think it's going to be really good. But for right now, you got to take the good with the bad. Aaron Holiday, first game, looks really good in summer league. Second game, comes out, he's got seven turnovers, shoots seven for 21. I mean, it it wasn't good. It wasn't good. And Sumner Sumner has the injury now. This is valuable time that I would love for Sumner to be out there being able to make the, the most of his time in the summer league. Sam McGoga, that's rough. I mean, this is what you want in your rookie to be out there and to, and just learn. I mean, because you saw how it was in the past. Trey Young had one of the worst summer leagues I've ever seen. But he needed to get that out of the way and, and just adapt to the NBA that you want your rookies out there, your young guys out there. And I, I think they could have benefited a lot from that. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. It's it's really frustrating that Goga wasn't able to make it over for Summer League. But at the end of the day, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, that's why I brought this up because I want to get your thoughts on two things. So, number one, if you don't feel confident with Edmund Sumner, he has had injury problems too. So, that's something to monitor as well. But would you be a fan of maybe playing McConnell and Holiday together with who we have right now in the backcourt until Vic gets back? Or would you look at using that room exception maybe to go get a player that is a wing even though there's not a lot of guys left there's still some wing talent out there uh i want to use up every resource we have and with that room exception i'm all for trying to bring someone in look the the pacers showed a vote of confidence in sumner uh reworking his deal and keeping him in here for a few years to come so i'm not worried about that uh the room exception would be a two-year deal that I think that you could bring in someone that could help this team for now. Uh, Sumner, he he's kind of a jack-of-all-trades. He could play the one through three, not that he will play point guard on this team. I really don't see that. But he could definitely be used at the two and the three, and I think that it makes this team that much deeper if you can bring in someone else. TJ McConnell, I think that Pacer fans are very guarded when it comes to Aaron Holiday. That when McConnell got signed, I mean, people were saying if he even takes away one minute from Holiday, like we riot. And I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, guys, like TJ McConnell is a very serviceable backup. I mean, for for how small he looks on the court, he he shoots fifty percent. You know, year in year out. You know, he's he can get you four or five assists off the bench. So I think that at times. While Aaron Holiday is still trying to develop, guys, don't be surprised when TJ McConnell's out there because he's very capable of being a backup point guard in this league. So some names that are available in that wing guard position. We've got Kelly Oubre, who's restricted, I believe, Justin Holiday, Jamal Crawford, Jeremy Lin, Amon Shumpert, Tabo Cephalosha, Ian Clark, Jody Meeks, Vince Carter, and Indiana's favorite, 
Born Ready, Lance Stevenson. Any of those names stick out to you and guys that you feel like can really contribute? Of course Lance sticks out to me, but it would be a sad day to have Lance being like, you know, one of the last guys on the team and just not playing. That would hurt uh, because you want Lance to 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 run free, you know, and be Lance. And it would it would be rough <laughs> to have him kind of like just, well, let just me say sitting this on the quick. bench. Because I feel like if they did bring in Lance Stevenson and he played the backup too while Victor was out, once Victor came back, I could see him taking McDermott's minutes at the three. I could see that. I could see that. That would definitely be something that Nate would have to, to look at because McDermott at times last year, he seemed almost unplayable at times. Yeah. He was very very good on the road for some reason, especially when it came to three-point shooting. But at times it was like, what is even going on with this guy? I mean, it's not even like he's dribbling or anything. It's like he just he just wasn't getting it done. We thought we signed a lights-out three-point shooter, and it, it that's not what the case was last year. When you mentioned a few other guys, Vince Carter is that guy who, when you're thinking of a perfect veteran, I want Vince Carter, even if he's barely even playing. Last year, he, as old as he is, last year he was actually pretty decent for that Hawks team. I think he put up like seven points per game you know, off the bench. He's so valuable to the youth. And Kelly Oubre, we're not getting Kelly Oubre. Uh, it, it's just not going to happen. I think he comes back to Phoenix. I'm surprised they didn't that he wasn't more of a priority for them this year. So there are there are still some other guys out there. Thabo, you know that, that could. I don't think he is what he used to be, but he would be valuable. And you know, Jeremy Lin was actually someone I was targeting before they went after T.J. McConnell. I thought that he would have been a pretty solid, you know, third point guard. But sure, he could play the two also, but. I don't okay, know. Let me I, ask I, you this: What about a? What do you think Kelly Oubre's contract will be if he resigns with the Suns? Well, it sounds like he would probably just take his qualifying offer right now and come back and hit. That be? I think it's. I don't think it's much. I think it's like three and a half or four million dollars. Okay. Well, let me ask you this: What if they did a sign-in trade with Phoenix, trading McDermott for Kelly Oubre? Why would they do that? I don't know why. Why would they bring him back? Why would they, they will. sign him if they value him? It's, it's Phoenix. They're one of the worst run organizations. Okay, so exactly, why wouldn't they take McDermott? What if we gave him a pick, like a second round pick for it? Well, we're gonna give him the the pick that uh, they just gave us a pick. So I know. They, well, we'll give her. We'll give him a Miami Heat pick. Give them. Give them whether it's whether it's even TJ Lee or whether it's. Because uh, they probably don't need any more wings. I mean, they have a, a slew of wings, so maybe we give them some power forward help. Throw in, you know, TJ Leaf in a pick and do a sign and trade for uh, what's his face, Kelly Oubre. I would love that, but Kelly Oubre balled out last year. It makes no sense why they did not already get a deal done with him. He was we're averaging like seventeen points per game. They were, I know, but they were even starting to win some games. I remember. I remember they beat Golden State late in the year. It, Kelly Oubre was balling. So it makes no sense why they didn't bring him back. I don't think they trade him to us for just like TJ Leaf and a second-round pick. Uh, clearly, they're they're cheaping out right now, uh, and we would have to offer a better deal than that. But, wow, Kelly Oubre on this, on this bench for the Pacers would be wild. I say the Pacers got a call about it. Hey, Phoenix, yeah, I think everybody would be calling them because you never know what they're going to pull next. Well, I mean, they just really don't 
seem to like know what direction they're going. I mean, they seem to like white power forwards. They got Frank Kaminsky. They got Aaron Baines. <laughs> they got uh, Danilo Gallant. Not Danilo. They got uh, Dario Saric. So I don't. I don't. For see a team looking to, trying... for a team looking to cut salary, it made no sense why they basically tanked, then moved down to six, unfortunately, and then they moved down to eleven. Take on Saric after getting rid of T.J. Warren. There was no method to what they were doing at all, and I think that Phoenix is going to be very bad moving forward. Yeah. Um, this this was supposed to be the time where they start to clean things up, and they failed to do that. Well, what if we traded Sumner, who is a point guard shooting guard, and and maybe leave or or McDermott, just just so they don't have to worry about you know, getting nothing for Kelly Oubre. Trust me, you don't have to convince me. I would love to do that deal in a second. But if Phoenix did that deal, uh, the league would have to step in and be like, okay, what's actually going on here? <laughs> what well, if we give them picks? Be... That's assets. Well, they can't say anything yeah. after Paul George just forces way out of OKC. Yeah, no, no, they shouldn't. But uh, something's going on there. I don't think that James Jones was the guy to hire, uh, especially <laughs> with the state of the franchise of the Phoenix Suns. Maybe they can do a sign and trade with the Lakers, and the Lakers can trade them Caruso or something like that. <laughs> yeah, who knows? But uh, but anyway, let me let me ask you this. So Justin Holiday is a guy that has been brought up. I'm a huge Justin Holiday fan. I don't know what the dynamic would be like with him playing with his brother, but the Pacers have had interest in him before. Do you like those two together, Holiday and Holiday off the bench? I do. I mean, I, I think that Justin Holiday is someone who, you know, it was, it was tough for him in the beginning of his career. He was really bouncing around, but he's actually coming off of some of his best years lately. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't I don't think that you're ever going to get an efficient shooter, but you are getting someone who the last few years has been putting up, you know, 10 or more. He's, he's averaged between 10 and 12 the last few years. I think that he's someone who has shown, you know, he can play some defense. He can rebound. He's he's a pretty pretty solid player overall. You're not gonna you're not getting a real good player, but you're getting a real solid player that I think would help this team at the two and the three. Yeah, I really and do. And he's got the chemistry with his brother. Of course, of course. There's always that. I think if if there's anyone that could ever get the most out of you, it, it's always your brother. I know that being the little brother. My brother was someone who always pushed me. He always want to be better than your older brother. Yeah, how'd that turn out for you? Turned out real good. He can't beat me in any sport. <laughs> can't wrestle me either. So I got that. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, let's take a quick little break here, and then we'll come back and talk about some uh, different Doug McDermott trade scenarios that I have uh, brought to the table to you. So let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. All right, Pacer fans, we're back here just to talk a little bit about some Doug McDermott trade ideas that I threw out. was just kind of looking across the league and thought, hmm, I wonder if these deals make sense. So being the crazy idiot trade machine guy that I am I threw a couple deals together and I gave them to Fachi and we kind of discussed them so I'll talk real quick I'll throw the first one out there and I'll let Fachi give his thoughts back so the Pacers would trade Doug McDermott and TJ Leaf to the Charlotte Hornets for Marvin Williams what are your thoughts on that deal when you threw it to me I thought you know what this is actually a pretty good deal for the Pacers because you know, Charlotte, they're, they're looking to shed some salary. For this year, they would shed salary because I know they're pretty close to that tax line, I believe. And uh, 
Marvin Williams is a player who is very capable. He's a good 3 and D guy, and I think that for McDermott and Leaf, getting them off the books would save us $11 million for next year. So this Pacers team would actually have some room to then be able to get better, especially when there are talks of re-signing Sabonis, which we can get to later. Marvin Williams would be a player who is ready to contribute now, makes the bench deeper. That would be the veteran added to this team because I believe he's back from the 2005 draft, originally the second overall pick. I mean, he's he's been around the block, and I think that he would bring more good than bad to this team compared to where you really don't know what you're getting out of T.J. Leaf and McDermott. I think Pacer fans have kind of soured on a little bit. Yeah. Well, I feel like right now he's probably the most tradable asset that we have. He's a good shooter. He's not very expensive. He's just, I don't know if he really fits this team, and I think that maybe with the new style of play that we're hoping to to play with, (laughs) I don't know, maybe the new guys that we have will help him grow as a player, but I'm just... I'm just, we need to upgrade somewhere. We need a better backup power forward, and that's why I like Marvin Williams because he's a perfect, you know, stretch four off the bench, someone that could play if, you know, Sabonis or Turner gets hurt because they have had to set out games, you know, in previous seasons from injury. So just kind of get you some depth there uh, because if one of those guys that's hurt, you know, it's going to be really slim picking. So we have that trade there. Now, another one that I don't know how exactly it would work with Memphis, but. They did acquire Jay Crowder in the Mike Conley trade, and him and McDermott make pretty much the exact same amount of money. And I know some Memphis fans have been a fan of McDermott for a little bit of time, but not sure what they what they really think of them. So what would your thoughts be on a McDermott for Jay Crowder deal? Would that go through with Memphis, or do you think we'd have to add more to it? I think you'd have to add a little bit more to it, but I think that we have that luxury in second-round picks. Memphis is in full-on rebuild mode, and their first-round pick is very lightly protected this year. I believe it's top six protected, and with the way that the new draft lottery format is, you know, you you don't want to win too many games. You want to, obviously, it's up in the air, but Memphis needs that pick for where they're at in this rebuild and I think that Crowder can be had. They just are, they're going to want an asset with it. And Crowder would be such a valuable team, a player to this Pacers team right now. He's honestly when you when you say three and D, he's literally one of the guys that comes up on a short list. And I think that Jay Crowder instantly makes that Pacers second unit that much better. I also got to say, Pacer fans, there is not a day that goes by that Alex does not try and trade Doug McDermott. He <laughs> ends up in just about every deal. I'm sorry, Doug, but the way your contract is and everything, it is kind of appealing to other teams. Well, yeah, and I mean, it's like you're not going to sit there and trade T.J. Warren right now. You're not going to flip Miles Ooh. Turner for anything. So uh, this is just like trying to make small little moves to try to bolster the bench a little bit because I feel like we are a little bit weak right there, and I would like to see them upgrade that. I don't know if they really believe in that bench. Maybe they do. Maybe they feel comfortable with the additions they've made, and when Oladipo comes back, they'll be fine. But it'll be interesting to see if they play a 10-man rotation as well because if they play a 9-man rotation, Leaf's going to be out of the rotation. So um, just trying to find ways to get this team to be a little bit stronger, a little bit deeper. And another trade that I threw at you, this was the last one that I really threw at you at first, TJ Leaf. Doug McDermott, the second-round pick, to the Denver Nuggets for Will Barton. Now, people might be saying, what are you smoking? That's never going to happen. I completely understand. That's a very, 
you know, a, a very unlikely trade to happen. But I think that with the way the salaries match up, the way that Denver is trying to retool their roster a little bit, it would be interesting to see if they'd be willing to get off the contract of Will Barton, especially with Michael Porter Jr. in the wings. They've got Torrey Craig out there as one of their good defensive uh, small forwards as well. And Will Barton makes $12 million for the next three years. This is somebody the Pacers were really high on last year in free agency, and they struck out when he went back to Denver. So that's why I brought it up. I like Will Barton, and I think that this might be something you look at if you're the Pacers. I definitely think it's something that you look at. Uh, This was the trade that I was thinking, telling you, I just don't think they do that because Barton would be such a good fit for the Pacers. I, I honestly think that he would make the bench that much deeper. He could be a go-to scorer with that second unit. I mean, if you were able to put him and Lamb in that second unit and say Ooh. there's either like a, a Sabonis or whoever's over there, you're looking at a pretty good second unit right there. Um, I love the fit. I know that you know Denver just traded their first-round pick. However, the thing is, is they are going to get cap relief because Paul Millsap comes off the books next right. year, about $30 million. So that is their cap relief. If they were looking to make a move, Will Barton is someone who I was really hoping the Pacers were going to sign last year. And they actually ended up, when the Nuggets offered him more money than I expected, uh, right at 12.01, I remember being like, wow, okay. I, I was not expecting that. So if they could get that deal done, uh, you do it. I don't think that they would do it for Leaf McDermott in a second round pick. I think you, you'd have to be looking at you know multiple second round picks, but I think it's also just something with Denver's in win now mode, and they they got a team that you know not that because I think that where they were last year, I mean for most of the year having like the best record in the NBA, their window to win a championship, I feel like you got to take advantage of it. And Will Barton gives you a better chance in my mind than you know TJ Leaf, some second round picks, and McDermott. Yeah, and honestly, if they're going to trade Will Barton, they'll probably get a much better haul than what the Pacers Agreed. can offer him. Right now, unless you somehow threw Holiday in the mix, which I don't even think they'd want Holiday with them having Morris and um, Murray out there already. So it'd have to be somebody they'd really want. It might have to be one of your centers. I don't even think they'd want that. I think they're pretty set on their roster. It's I do. Just, I agree. It would just be one of those things where maybe they want to make a dump uh, if they have too many guys and not enough minutes, someone's unhappy and they just want some cap relief. I don't know. That That's the only thing I could think of. But the, the, the other team that makes sense for the Pacers to trade with is the New York Knicks. But that's going to have to wait till December because the Knicks have assigned, yes, another power forward today. Marcus Morris looks to be uh, changing his mind on going to San Antonio and is going to sign a one-year $15 million deal with the Knicks. So they're going to have Bobby Portis, Taj Gibson, Julius Randle, Kevin Knox and uh, did I say Marcus Morse again? I can't remember, but there's there's four of those guys right there, and it's just kind of crazy how many how many power forwards that the the Knicks have acquired this off season. So they're on pretty good deals as well. You could possibly once again, I know I'm going to say it, but you know, Flip McDermott for Taj Gibson, somebody like that, even maybe Marcus Morris. I don't know. That's fifteen million dollars is quite a bit of money. I don't know if we could really take that back, but. Somebody from 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 New York would be interesting to look at. I mean, I would love Bobby Portis on this team. I think Bobby Portis would be an awesome fit. Uh, I just don't know if he'd enjoy coming off the bench. But at the end of the day, I mean, the Pacers should really look hard at New York as a partner going into uh, December, January before we hit the trade deadline. 
Bobby Portis was someone I fell in love with when he was coming out of the draft. I remember when he was coming out of Arkansas, he made the statement saying, I am the best player in this draft. And I love hearing that from players. I love the chip on the shoulder. I thought Bobby Portis was going to be, honestly, better than he's been. And I think that, you know, when he said he he probably doesn't want to come off the bench, I believe that he is coming off the bench because Julius Randle over there, you got Mitchell Robinson at at center. So I do believe that Randle is going to be a big part of that team. Uh, but if you are going to bring on Marcus Morris, that is way too many power forwards. And Taj Gibson, since he was signed, now he isn't ready to be traded yet. That's the kind of guy. I mean, I keep saying this. Oh, that's the veteran. But Taj Gibson would be the veteran. I mean, he's he's played a valuable part in Minnesota. Uh, I think that he would be really good with this Pacers team. I think that he's someone who makes your bigs better. I think that you always want that kind of extension of a coach on the court, and I think that Taj Gibson would bring that. Yeah. No, he's a great and, and rebounder. It, he's a guy I've always loved since he came out of USC. So, uh, for sure. And the thing is, when you're talking about, obviously, he was great in his Bulls days also, but you're talking about the Knicks who they set up a lot of their contracts to be team options in year two. So they could easily move on from Gibson year two. But if they, if they didn't and you want to trade a McDermott, that that next year is only seven million compared to ten million. If they did want to keep the problem is they might say been there, done that. They've already had McDermott uh, before. You can't worry about that with how much player movement there is in the NBA right now. Oh, for sure, for sure. And three point shooters, I mean, I, I think it could be good if they do actually move on from Reggie Bullock, but it sounds like they're gonna keep him, just kind of restructure the deal. So I thought it was kind of weird. And right now they do have a couple of those shooters. You know, you sign Wayne Ellington, you have Reggie Bullock, so they might be good on just kind of pure three point shooters right now. But Maybe. I mean if you if you had an opportunity to make that deal, Taj Gibson is he fits the criteria of veteran power forward that you want on your team. I mean that's that's someone who can teach you guys. I mean playing under Coach Tibbs, he's someone who would get the best out of this youth. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean I'm a I'm a huge fan of the Pacers going after a power forward like this. I really think it would help them in the long run. But ultimately, you know, we'll just have to see how the rest of the roster shakes out. A lot of options available. We mentioned Kenford Reed. We mentioned Trey, we mentioned Trey Lyles. We mentioned some trades they can make. So at the end of the day, I am completely fine with whatever they do. I just hope that they do upgrade from Leaf and McDermott before the season starts. But if they don't, they don't. It is what it is. There's no reason to get too mad about it because that starting unit is still pretty solid. So, Fachi, did you want to close out this conversation talking about the Sabonis extension rumors that we heard? We have to. Um, the It kind of caught me a little bit by surprise when they said, okay, the next priority is re-signing Sabonis. And uh, it was a good surprise because I love Sabonis. I think that re-signing him now, if you're going to re-sign Sabonis in general, this is the time. I firmly believe this is the breakout year. He's coming off of a good year. I think that he's going to have a really good year. And if you're able to sign him now, do it. Because if you're going to trade Sabonis at any point, he's not making enough salary right now to bring in anyone really notable. But if you do re-sign him and say it's like a like a four-year, $60 million deal, something like that, his salary will match up with other players. It's $15 million a year. Uh, I think that amongst Pacer fans, the belief is that his deal would be 
lower than Miles Turner's deal. I wonder how they're going to do that. Maybe it's identical. What if it's uh, not? What if it's more? I just don't. I don't know if I expect it to be more. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe it's like honestly almost same. identical. Exactly, yeah. like a four-year, seventy-two million dollar deal, but maybe the same incentives. Because remember, Miles Turner does have the eight million in incentives. It was just kind of unlikely incentives. Right. So maybe he has those incentives where it's like, hey, if you make an all-star game or if you, you know, if there's anything in there, I doubt it would be like six man of the year since he's projected to be the starting four. Um, but I think they might load it in incentives to, to make it more appealing. What do you envision the deal at? Yeah, that's a tough one, you know. I've seen four for 80. I've seen four for 60. Um, I, I think that we could be looking at that. I think we could be looking at four for 72. I, I will just be honest with you. I'm not sure what I would give him if I were the Pacers. But let me ask you this because I kind of feel this way. If the Pacers front office offers him more than Miles Turner, does that mean that they value him more? I think so. And I honestly think that it would be maybe a little bit of a sensitive subject. I think <laughs> that it, I firmly believe if he gets a bigger contract than Miles Turner, there's going to be a reaction. It's going to oh, be looked yeah. at. It's going to be looked at as eh, Turner. You know, I mean, if things don't work out, he could get moved. I think it's going to be something like that. Right now, they're really trying to do their best to make it work, and you have to make it work. But I do think that you have to offer Sabonis a little bit less or the same amount as would, Miles. And we I saw that Miles contract. It's looking like a bargain a little bit when you you move forward and you see guys getting bigger deals. Eighteen million dollars a year two years from now, is going to look like pennies. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the nice thing is, we talked about this with Turner, is you don't have to worry about somebody swooping in and offer, offering Sabonis a deal that you can't match. So you get him locked up as soon as possible. I, I'm fine with whatever they lock him up with. I mean, I wouldn't go above the four for 80. I think $20 million's good enough, but I wouldn't want it to be too much higher. Um but I, I'm okay with four for seventy-two. I think offering him the exact same amount that you offer Turner makes a bunch of sense. That way, you don't have to sit there and say, "Well, he's better than him," or vice versa. It's just we think that they are valuable in different ways, and we like both their value for this team. You know what I mean? I firmly agree. Four for seventy-two with eight million in incentives, just to make it exactly same. You hope, hey, if he hits those incentives. That means we're a really good team. I firmly believe that we would be a good team if Sabonis is hitting incentives in this deal. Um, And I think that at that point, Sabonis and Turner just look at each other as equals. And it's not like, I mean, not that Turner is made from the same cloth that Roy Hibbert is, but we don't need a situation where a player just kind of turns into mental mush over thinking that someone else is being more valued than you. Right, right, right. No, I completely agree, and I think that, the Pacers just have to offer their guys these contracts, and I know that Sabonis will be a poison pill for a trade going forward this season if they do extend him because we can only trade him for what his value is now, but teams that are taking on his contract have to be able to absorb it for what the full extension is. So it's kind of a weird situation, but basically what it means is that Sabonis is not valued at his three point five or whatever million dollars he's making this year when he's traded. Mm-hmm. It's a much higher rate. That's a very very difficult situation to trade him. Pretty much impossible. So that means that if they were to trade one of them this year, it'd be Turner, 
if they do get the extension done, which I don't think they're going to make a move this year right now, especially with them prioritizing extension. I just can't see a move anymore. I thought they might look at it by you know February trade deadline, but it would it would really have to mean one of two things: they're not working out, or Goga is just out of this world amazing off the bench. So. Uh, that, that that's kind of where I'm at with this whole thing. But in all honesty, I'm I'm happy for Sabonis. I love Sabonis on this team. He's probably my favorite Pacer player right now. Brogdon made a nice impression on me. I love Oladipo. I mean, I like what Turner has become defensively. I want to see him continue to grow. I want him to become. I want him to become the All Star that there seems to be so much promise in. So as for me, Fachi, I I pretty much have all I have said all I need to say about the Sabonis extension. Do you have any other thoughts on it? Uh, I don't. I'd say the last part, Brian Bowen. I think he's going to be a good pickup for this Pacers team. I know it's just summer league ball, but I think they give the kid some time, and I think that he will be contributing in the future. Hmm. Interesting. I don't know if he'll be contributing on the Pacers, but maybe the Mad Ants. Uh. <laughs> well, no. When I say the future, I don't mean you know maybe even this year. I mean he. I th- I envision him being on the Pacers, being a valuable commodity at some point. And I'm glad that we went with the pickup. I see him similar to an Alonzo Trier situation with the Knicks where, you know, we're not we're not anywhere near as bad as the Knicks were where Bowen's not gonna have that opportunity right now. Right. But that's a that's a kid who deserved to be drafted if he had played in college. He went a completely different route, got thrown off for like two years between the Louisville stuff, uh, barely played in the NBL. This kid is going to develop. Absolutely. No, I've I've been impressed by his game so far in Summer League, but like I said, it's hard for me to really evaluate players based on Summer League because who are they playing against? What is their motive? You know, it just it's just kind of weird to me. I mean, it's hard to really value these guys and predict how they're going to play in the future because I've seen guys kill it. I've seen guys struggle, and then the exact opposite happens when they get into the league. So it's just kind of take it with a grain of salt and hope that the things you see can – you know, contribute to the court when when it really matters. So, um, yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. So, all right, that wraps it up for another episode here of Setting the Pace. We'll be back later this week, hopefully, with a guest, somebody that can come on and give us their thoughts about the Pacers and the rest of the league. Um, the guest that we were supposed to have on the night, I had some Internet issues, and so with me having to push it back 30 minutes, the whole thing fell through. So if you don't hear from us from us again this week, That's because we just got too tied up with everything. But maybe we can try to get something on Thursday, uh, recorded on Thursday night, maybe up for you Friday. So, Pacer fans, we really appreciate your support. You can follow us on Twitter at SettingThePace3, also at PacersTalkNet. You can follow Fachi on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I, and me at AlexGoldenNBA. And until next time, Pacer fans, we'll talk to you later. Peace out, Pacer Nation. Let's go, Pacers. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.